All right, welcome to Launchpad Podcast. I'm Aaron. Got to do a little business as usual. Give us those likes and subscribes. Follow us on Apple Podcasts. Keep up with us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Launchpad Pod, and on our website, launchpadpod.com. Guys, today we have an amazing guest. This was so much fun. We have the incredible Zeb Wells. He's a writer for tons of comic books. He's done a lot of Marvel, Spider-Man. He did Carnage USA. He's done. He did Electra, Dark Reign. He did Venom, Dark Origins. He's done stuff for Civil War, Heroes for Hire. He was a writer on Robot Chicken and a co-creator for Supermansion. So he's done all this great stuff. So we knew we wanted to talk to him. Matt's been in contact with him for a little bit talking back and forth. And finally, he was like, yeah, let's get together. Let's do an interview. So it's like a Friday night. He's like, I only have this little window. I'm moving to New York. So we go, okay, fine. We'll meet up with you. So we drive out to his place. We're parking the car and we get a text that says, you're going to think you're being pranked. And immediately we look over and it's a house that the driveway is like destroyed. It's like being excavated. And we get there and Zeb comes out of his house and goes, yeah, so I'm moving to New York. There's no furniture here. And we walk inside the house and it's empty. And this just this echo is sending this cringe through my body because I like it when our podcast sounds good, you know? So he goes, well, we can go out to my garage. And we're like, okay, I guess we can do it in the garage. <laughs> It's a great interview. When we got there, he set out some waters. He set out some mints. So there was some crafty, you know, he was a good host. But uh, we sat down, we got right into it. So this conversation has already started and we'll just dive into it. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engines running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. So what was like your first job in Hollywood? What got you into doing industry stuff? Well, I won a contest for Wizard Magazine back in the day. Nice. When was that? Like 99, 2000. And that got me a job at Marvel and then eventually got me the job on Robot Chicken. They used to give away jobs at Marvel no, Wizard Magazine. We, yeah. we had to win it twice in a row. We won it twice in a row. And uh, the okay. second okay. year... And of course, the first year I won, I was fantasizing. I was like, well, they're obviously going to see this yeah. shitty five minute video and give me a job writing hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And then that didn't happen. So then, and then another year went by and I did nothing and made nothing happen. And I was like, well, guess I'm entering the contest again. <laughs> <laughs> I entered it again and we won again. And this time awesome. it was right when Joe Casada and Axel Alonso were kind of mixing things up. And wow, like, yeah, you know, yeah, bringing yeah. in a lot of like new fun voices. Yeah. And so I got to go up and give a speech and I, I was a big enough geek that I was, you know, I was able to go up there and make jokes. Like there were really inside sure. jokes about like Bendis and Casada. You were like, I'm one of you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so the next day I heard that Axel was looking for me and was freaking out and then found him and he said, do you want to write a Spider-Man story for Tangled Web? And I was like, Ugh. Damn. Yeah. Oh, man. So, Fucking ridiculous, dude. Yeah. But it was ridiculous. The bad part is, is that I was so young, but I also had such a concept of how ridiculous it was. So yeah. I was always, like, battling, like, self-doubt and stuff. 
does it ever go away? No. Oh, no. absolutely yeah. not. You learn that as an adult, behind every corner, there's a guy waiting to go, you're full of shit. You're like, yeah. <laughs> that really is the job. Yeah. It's a job that is all about just managing your demons. That's the entire job. Yeah. Because once you sit down and once you're in the flow, it's fine. And it's good. But getting into that flow. Yeah. Battling through those voices that are telling you that you're, you know, you're, you don't have the skills to do what you're doing. That's the job right there. That's the hard part. And I'm, I think just at 41 years old, I'm starting to get a little bit better at that. It's well, terrifying. That's, I mean, I'm, I think there's probably only a handful of comic artists. And I, I think uh, probably Frank Miller hears those voices like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and Bendis obviously does. I, it seems like Bendis has so much fun writing that I feel like he's just friends with all of his demons. He's just, oh, yeah. just kind of. Like, yeah, he at least understands them, right? Yeah, which is probably not true. I'm sure it's just as hard for him. Everybody. you. I yeah. mean, especially when you get to that point where it's like, wow, you've slam dunked this many storylines that are just iconic. And then you're about to type another one. You're like, is this going to be the one? Yeah. <laughs> is this the yeah. one that everybody goes, man, old Bendis was a little bit better. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's terrible. <laughs> and I just, I loved comics so much yeah. that everything I wrote, which is embarrassing to admit, I, you just want it to be as good as Watchmen or you want it to be as good as The Killing sure. Joke. And then it's like, oh, is that the you're, you're, five, you're five years into your career and you're like, maybe I'm not as good as that <laughs> You know? It's like, and I think I wasted a lot, well, not wasted time, but made it a lot harder on myself by not just relaxing and enjoying myself. And I think things like Watchmen get written by people that are enjoying themselves. You know, they're just having fun and... Or batshit crazy. I think you know, that was yeah. more, more look like a guy yeah. who enjoys things. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. Well, I know what you mean, though. I, I agree with that. Um, we're enjoying this. Uh, Launchpad podcast is here with none other than Zeb Wells. In his in the house that Spider-Man built. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are in a super mansion, so to speak. Um, <laughs> Mr. Wells was good enough to do an interview. He and I have been talking for a while, trying to schedule a time. He's been a super nice guy. He let me know that he's moving tomorrow at seven o'clock in the morning. It is getting on the plane. Nine o'clock p.m. the night before. <laughs> And we are in his garage <laughs> because his house literally had no furniture or furnishings or rugs or anything in it. And it Sounded was too like loud. Shit, yeah. So now we're in this baller garage. <laughs> we are, it's a dungeon. Uh, it's a dungeon. <laughs> uh, describe the furniture you're sitting on, Mr. Oh, Wallace. I've got the uh, at least 30-year-old <laughs> fold-out chair that could disintegrate at any moment. Got four legs, though. I, not I noticed that. I would not tip back, though, if I was you. Aaron's in something that used to be wicker and now is just petrified rot. I'm really nervous to shift my weight at all, lest my ass will be through this wicker chair. But Matt has it the worst. That is that is a rotten yeah. chair. I bought a throne that was, like, it was probably really bitching for camping, like, in the 80s. Yeah. It's like one of those fold-out camp chairs. There is a... It's got a water feature. <laughs> it's like, what is this supposed to be, for books? I think it's for ice and food. There's, like, a little pocket in one of the arms, and it literally had water in it. I pulled yeah, as much of it out first, as I could. That's one of those chairs. The first three times I pulled it out, it was really nice, and I so I put it back in its container when I was done. And then around the fourth time, you're just like, yeah, stay out. It stayed out for sure. Yeah, I mean, stayed I out. And then for the last four years, there was no out. joke. I'm going to say there's seven inches of water in that pocket. <laughs> yes. We dumped it out. 
the 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 seat was pretty dirty, and Mr. Wells was nice enough to put <laughs> some sort of box of tiles on it for yeah, me to and keep then, the rot out of your jeans. <laughs> but I think it says a lot about your self esteem that you were ready to sit in that rot. Oh, I you give were a shit. Yeah, but that, you that, were, that puts it on you because this has to be a great interview. Like you got to bring <laughs> oh, this now. Well, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> we are very very excited to talk to Super Mr. Pumped. Wells. You guys know him from Robot Chicken. You also know him from Marvel Comics. We're going to jump into that stuff, but we have other stuff to talk about tonight. We started off talking a little bit about how you won contests. You jumped into Marvel. What what about comics appeals to you? Like, how, how are you... What, what is your love affair of comics like? I don't know. I think that the love affair with comics is probably the same as with G.I. Joe and those cartoons I grew up with, where... You know, we didn't have a lot of money when I was a kid and, you know, you'd go to church and stuff and you, you had this, but you had this little thing in your life that was colorful and, you know, just lit your imagination up and it was just a little escape. Not that my childhood was bad. It was just, you know, you're bored when Mm -hmm. you're a kid. It's not like today where kids can watch wall to wall cartoons (laughs) if they want. We got cartoons one day, (laughs) one day a week and most of them sucked. And if you didn't have the VCR ready to record an episode that you watched, then you never got to see it again. Yeah. Yeah, It was on that one time. And if you missed it, it was gone. I'm sure we all have memories of a show that we missed, like that, that everyone was talking about the next day and you just never got to see it. I think the second Ewok special, we had parent teacher cut conferences and i just never Damn. got to see it which was the second one was it caravan or courage or was it the ewok adventure which the one with the little blonde girl they both have sindel the they little, both have yeah. the little blonde girl her brother is dead in one of them though he okay. he only made the first one <laughs> i can't remember i need to watch them now that you can but i've heard that they're one is the one with wilford brimley and one is the one where they're traveling <laughs> those movies are fucking great let's what's, talk about what's, that what's brimley's name in it uh, give me a minute. I'll is remember. I'm like, gonna does he have yell a Jedi name? Is no, it like he's just some, or something? No, he's some fat weird guy. He's some creeper in the woods. He's on a planet full of teddy bears <laughs> and one little girl. There's nothing <laughs> creepier than that character. <laughs> you know, I got to work on a show called Detours that mm-hmm. never came out. Yep. But to write it, we got to go up to Skywalker Ranch <sighs> and sit in a room with George Lucas. And just talk about the stories, but we were always just pumping him for information. Sure. Because you, know, you could get him talking. And it was like, it was a, A, it was like going to a summer camp as an adult. And then <laughs> you're just sitting in the room with George Lucas, getting him to tell you stories. It was fantastic. Were you walking on eggshells? Were you afraid to say the wrong thing? Yeah, for sure. At the beginning, he was kind of feeling us out too. Sure. Yeah. You know? and, and this then, happened in a building, not in a garage. <laughs> no, this was in an actual. <laughs> An actual building in Skywalker Ranch. <laughs> but it could all be, I could, you guys don't know what to think of me right now. I, it could all be a lie. This could be where I live. This could be where I live. Well, I was taking it the other way. I was like, you own the, you own the block. Like, you own all of these houses. You're just like, I'm not letting these idiots you that's in my house. Not the case. It's not much more likely real that this is how I live. <laughs> Oh, my wife's on SNL, guys. It's great. Killer, <laughs> just a psychopath. That's not a ring. That's just a piece of metal that you found in the garage. <laughs> he pulled it off the pegboard. Oh my god, this is gonna be an. This is gonna be one of those interviews. <laughs> well, I mean, like Matt said, you've done some amazing stuff. Robot Chicken, uh, a, a, a lot of stop motion animation. Yeah. How did you fall into 
animation. You I said did. I just fell, fell into it. it. Yeah. Wow. Because Matt Sunreich was the editor or an editor at Wizard when I won those contests. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I moved to L.A. Uh, with a friend and then Matt came out a couple years later in 2005 and, and sold had sold Robot Chicken with Seth and they were making it. And then around season three, which I think is very late, season three, Matt finally was like, oh, that guy made those funny videos and brought me in. So I started writing and then wrote on it for three seasons. And then Chris McKay, who was an editor on the Lego movie. Yeah. It sort of did a lot of heavy lifting on that movie towards the end. He went off. uh, Well, he went off to the Lego movie and I angled for the director job on Robot Chicken. Got to do that, which is a lot of fun. It seems a like work, a blast. A I mean, it seems like a show that when you write for it, they're like, what are the, sti- are there stipulations? Or are you just like, let's see if we can get uh, James Earl Jones to come do a voice for a, a robot that humps washing. Machine. Like, like, yeah, what no. is, like, what are the, is there any rules? That can't no, be the, the that only show? rules are since we're using other people's properties, you have to have parody. Okay. So you, you quickly learn, you know, you can't just have characters doing things. You have to have characters doing things that, are like a comment you're making a comment on how they are right? yeah oh superman if he really had all those powers we're saying he would really be sort of a dick you know and yeah. then you write about him being a dick and then you have to have these absurd calls with the lawyers you know they read the script and they don't you know they don't know who fuzzy bear is or whoever and yeah you, so you have to explain to them what the property is and what commentary is well, one of the greatest things that I mean, I love love that show. And one of the greatest things about it is like you guys weren't afraid to be nerdy. Like it's one thing to be like, "Hey, we're nerds. We like comic books." It's another thing to drop like a Beta Ray Bill reference. Yeah, and it's like you guys were able to do stuff like that that was just so so deep in the nerd world that that I mean, I didn't think of that. And then and also that was, happened right before streaming and shit really got popular. Yeah. And I think that worked in Robot Chicken's yeah. favor. I think because and that was back when, which I think you're kind of landing on. Before we knew there were so many of us out there, yeah. like you would have thought that a show like that wouldn't succeed. And I knew I was such a big comic fan and I always felt like I was the only one in my junior high that was reading comics mm-hmm. and certainly in high school after a point. Right. But I can't have been the only one because now they're the most popular characters in the world. It's strange. I just don't know where all these people were. Yeah. When I was in high school. They were hiding no and getting wedgies to. and swirlies yeah. and stuff. <laughs> yeah. But there are a lot true. of us out there. It's strange. I, I grew up, you know, big nerd playing D&D and stuff and like had to hide that because like D&D, that was for nerds. Yeah. Nowadays, people are like, you play D&D? Yeah. You got to teach us. You got to show us how. And like I dusted off the dice and like... T- Grown adults, a group of ten of them on their first adventure, and it was like, that's, that's oh, it's ridiculous so that this is happening. Yeah, now. like and like A-list stars are getting together for their. Finn Diesel has a tattoo yeah. across <laughs> yeah. his stomach. Like, come on, it's crazy. Uh, but let's start there. Let's go back to the beginning because today, something that we wanted to talk to you about, and you actually floated this idea. And we we love the idea was the comics you grew up with because you know when you grow up as a nerd, there's something that strikes you off early on, whether it's that cartoon, that one G.I. Joe cartoon that has the mad scientist, and you're like, I want to be that guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> the, the comic book, the movie, what was it that got you started? What kicked you in the nerd pants well, got you started? when I was growing up in Kansas, I was probably seven years old, and we had college students living under us. My parents were renting out the house. Okay. And one of them left and just left me a box of comics. And... 
comics, and one of the comics in there was Giant Size Spider Man number one, or whichever yeah. had the Sinister Six, mm-hmm. right? Nice. And and it also had the Giant Size Spider Man with the Punisher. Do you know that one where Spider Man's like on the barbed wire fence? Um, that was great too. But I think that that Giant Size Spider Man with the Sinister Six, the with the big splash pages. That was, I just devoured the whole box. It was strange because it was half Marvel, half DC. Oh, so you got a nice I couldn't, I couldn't find any use for those DC comics. Oh, like, I, I understand that. I just, I, that. I couldn't wrap my head around them. They, they all had like really high numbers. Like it was yeah. Action Comics 670. <laughs> and I was like, no, that can't be true. There's yeah. not 670 of these. But <laughs> I understand issue 35. That makes sense to me. That's awesome. And those those were like the bigger size books too. They had the big pages, the big pictures. Yeah, yeah. Like really cool. Man, that's awesome. Uh, so which characters, I mean, obviously Spider-Man and the Sinister Stick, Who's your favorite villain out of the Sinister Six? Oh, this is the original Sinister yeah. Six. Yeah. Yeah. The original Sinister Six, which I was so, when I was writing Spider-Man, whenever they talk about bringing the Sinister Six back, I would, I was the squeaky wheel that just wanted to bring back the, you know, they always mm-hmm. wanted to swap like Venom sure. out for Sandman or something. Yeah. And I just always wanted to get that original back. Yeah. But I think Mysterio looked the coolest, right? So cool. that, there's something about all those designs Wait. that just looked great. I don't want to badmouth you in your garage, <laughs> but you're you're saying the guy with the fishbowl head was the, the fishbowl coolest. Head, I think as when a kid, I was a kid, really cool. I, yeah. All right, fair enough. All right, fair enough. By the way, I got to segue again. Have you guys? Everyone who's listening to this has to look it up. That Spider-Man musical, I saw it. Did you see on YouTube? You can find they all came to Letterman and did a musical performance. What? And it is the most insane. You saw the actual yeah. show. But I saw it when the I, second time, like after, after they, they kind of tweaked it. Like, uh, after nobody I, fell in mine and I wanted my money back. Really? <laughs> yeah. I was waiting. I was like, this is, this is going to be the one. Because it was and like Swiss Miss by. and you've got it. It was terrible. You've got to see. That's my public service announcement. Look that up. Look Letterman, that up. Spider-Man, Turn Off the Dark. Oh Watch it. God. Mine had Swarm, which was just. Oh, I saw Swarm, yeah. I mean, think of the coolest iteration you've ever seen of Swarm. It was not that. Well, you've got <laughs> to see this video because Swarm is introduced by the Green Goblin. And he, and he comes out he goes, and, and the Green Goblin's introducing them like, hey, you like guys made out of bees? And, then, <laughs> and then, it's obviously written by someone who's never read right, a comic book. And he comes out doing jump kicks and stuff. And he has these bees coming off and they're just flying off of him. Like his costume God. is disintegrating in front of your eyes. I can't imagine. I can't imagine it. It's like, a bunch of people who have probably heard of Spider-Man, like, yeah, 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 guy, red, blue, swing, yeah. shoot webs. And they're like, yeah, but a musical. And like all the wrong people taking it and running with it. Oh, yeah. And yeah. you're just like, what a misfire. It was a good idea the first day, I bet. But then after that, but it was just I, I think Pono and the Edge wrote them. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that part. Don't you you think there's something about the fact that, and I think this is why Marvel movies are so successful, is there's been 30 years of all of us as fans sort of with our dollars picking what we like. So the character is distilled down over 30 years. It gets distilled into the best version of the character. You have your own litmus test at all times. Yeah, Yeah. we have this massive uh, hive intelligence that is chosen the best version of the character when you bring someone in that has not grown up loving those characters 
they're always going to get it wrong. Right. Like someone who just sits down and reads an issue of Spider-Man. I just don't think that they're like someone who's assigned it. Like it, I don't know if you saw Venom, but it seems like someone was assigned yes. that script. And no one is going to be able to wrap their mind around that character just sitting down and reading those right. comics. They don't know why that character is cool, how we, the things about that character we've sort of all voted that yeah. we like. Sure, about sure. Him, you the, know? Guy, the guy who was making that was like, thank God I don't have to put this lame Spider-Man in this yeah. movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, get that out of here. But no, you're so right. And I think that's uh, also points to, you know, in, in the Batman universe, not to switch, switch Marvel to DC real quick, but, you know, we had these Batman movies and Tim Burton was making these badass Batman movies. And then Schumacher took him over and he's like, you know what? I don't like the dark Batman. I like Bip Bop Pow Batman, yeah. Adam West Batman. That's the Batman I like. Right. I don't understand this. He the the pulse was so yeah off. yeah yeah. We weren't ready for Bip Bop Pow. No no no. Batman we had moved again. on. Everyone else had moved on. Yeah. But I think yeah, a lot of people still. And you'll see sometimes when Hollywood people come in and, and write comic books, you can tell they grew up with comic books that are from the '60s that were like just cheesier. Right. Yeah. Right. And then they write stupid comics right like yeah. comics that are just dumb and and sort of insulting because they think that's what comics is yeah i think that happens a lot it's it's very bizarre to see the disconnect between a lot of money and a property like a comic book that has had years to refine itself yes and then suddenly it gets a hold of the money and it spends it like somebody who just won the lottery and then you have this <laughs> turn off, turn the off the yeah. because oh someone sat down i was like too much dark at this spider yeah. world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's too much dark. We got to get guys made of bees. I'm trying to think who else was even in that. There was an electro that looked like a light up Frankenstein. Yes. Oh, and then terrible. and then Craven came out and he. Oh, that's right. He had a fake head and, and the right. actor can see out of this. And then the Green Goblin says, hey, here's a guy that loves animals, sometimes a little too much. Nice. <laughs> suggesting, <laughs> which I think is suggesting that Craven has sex with animals. Right. And then he says, yeah, and then he says, hey, ladies, you like guys that can shoot lightning? And then Electro comes out. Right. But then the ultimate insult is Swiss Miss. She comes out and she's like, uh, she looks like a walking uh, Swiss Army knife. Oh, no. And then there was Carnage, which I remember the the, the costume was okay enough. Right. But and then a character like Carnage, how do you get someone that came to Broadway to see a show? (laughs) They've got... You got to explain Spider-Man to them, but how many degrees removed before they can wrap their mind around Carnage? Cletus Cassidy. Yes, yeah, you're that like, he got a suit from space, and then that suit had asexual reproduction, had a baby. Like, you can't have Carnage in your first thing. Uh, and, and you've written a, a great Carnage storyline, Carnage USA. And right. So when you got to dive into that character and, and sort of explore that, I mean, were there any moments where you're like, how do I include, was there any difficulty writing a story for a character like Carnage? Yes, absolutely. I thought it would be fun because I thought, oh, I can write him like maybe Marvel's Joker. Yeah. You know, but then you just realize that when a character is that crazy, it's very hard for them to have an arc, you know, that you you don't, and what's their plan? Like their plan has to kind of be nonsensical. Sure. And if it's not, and I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm saying I found it very hard. And that's why- most of the, if you look at Carnage and Carnage USA, there's a lot going on with the other characters. Yeah. And they're in Carnage, it's kind of just a force well, that, that is there. And I was going to ask you about that because I'm trying to think, your stories were really good, and I'm trying to think of the Carnage stories that stood out to me. And again, we're going to 
keep looping back to this, but some of the stuff that I read growing up was real carnage heavy. And he was not the main character. Yeah. It, you had Spidey and you had Venom to bounce off of him. Yeah. You know, and then the ancillary characters as well. And I in my miniseries, like even important. though they're named Carnage and Carnage USA, he is not the main Correct. character. And in I think those that was a comics. very smart move. Yeah. And I think that's what you just said. Yeah. Which I had to do. Like, I sat down, like, well, what is a Carnage story? And I didn't know. But mm-hmm. I know uh, I can write heroes that are going up against an insane bad guy. We heard from Phil, a famous Monsters of Filmland, and he once told us the best villains think they're right. And a lot of times, like villains that are just crazy are yeah. very hard to write yeah. because they're, they don't have a motivation. So finding a character that thinks and believes in what they've done. And one of the few characters that you that get away with being just the crazy one is the Joker. Yeah, because his motivation and what he thinks is right is the antithesis and being right. the opposite of what other people. Right. Think is and that is something he believes in to his core. Yeah. Where I don't think you could say that about Carnage. Joker yeah, I agree with that. believes to his core that he wants to drive you crazy or he wants the world to be crazier and he yeah. believes that it should be. And, and it works on well-written Joker yeah, stories, yeah, which yeah. is hard to pull off. And, and it's very hard to have a, a Joker that is unmotivated and crazy and still be good. And yeah, it's and very interesting. Joker is exactly what I'm talking about. How cool is it that there's this character that is so different than the first issue he was in? Mm-hmm. He's so different than 30 years ago. So many writers and artists like just found little pieces of the puzzle. Like now the Joker is like this perfect form, this yeah. crystallized thing, because so many people have come in and kind of uh, sanded off some rough edges until we have the Joker that we agree we want. And yeah. now when we go see a Joker movie, we want to see that Joker. We absolutely don't want to see the Joker from the Batman television. Sure. Show. Sure. Who's your Joker? Who's your ideal Joker? Oh, uh, actor. Uh, yeah. Who's played the part or, oh, or okay. Gotcha. Or gotcha, gotcha. Or, or it could be, no, which, yeah, which is yeah, your yeah. favorite like run that had a good Joker story. I haven't read that much DC. So uh, right, right, right. I, like the killing joke a lot. I know of course. a lot of people kind of badmouth it now. And you know, it's, there's some parts of it that haven't aged well. It or has little, problematic little, yeah, yeah, sure. it's problematic. Yeah. So but it's I still, haven't read it in a while, but it still is trying to say a lot more than a lot of things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, yeah. it was obviously a well thought out piece. And I think that, you know, he was just trying to spread insanity in that. Yeah. And I think that that kind of captured it. I think that, if you watch Tim Burton's Batman now, like there's certain parts that stick out like, oh, that would never fly Yeah. now. But Jack Nicholson's Joker was fun. But man, maybe Heath Ledger. I mean, that was still really iconic, one, right? Maybe not quite funny enough or yeah. not quite joyful enough. I mean, he he when you look at the history of Joker and, and you, you have the early ones from the, the Adam West and, you know, on throughout. Jack Nicholson is a, is a landmark. Like everybody yeah. tried to make. Him, oh like yeah, the, he's the, the one. He's been books, the most influential. Yeah, for the comic sure. books gravitated towards him, yeah. and then Heath Ledger's the next one. And the comic books, you know, the yeah. Brian Azzarillo. I'm going to butcher his name. Yeah, he did a Joker comic. That's my favorite comic of Joker. But like that kind, I know, I know. Yeah, but I like that dark. But it's I sort like of that a Heath Ledger. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. My favorite, my favorite Joker is Mark Hamill from the from uh, the cartoon. Oh yeah. sure, yeah, yeah. Because I think he series. not only captured what the original kind of the the comic books had for that Joker clown, you know, clown prince of crime, but he in you know, instilled this like madness to him and when he lets that laugh rip, man, you get yeah, chills from it yeah. when he does an interesting laugh. take too is because that show does such an amazing job of appealing to 
every audience, right? Whether you're a four-year-old kid or a forty-year-old yeah. man, you can watch that show and take something from it. You take very different experiences, but I think that Joker is great too because the four-year-old is like, "Oh, he's a bad guy and he's crazy and he's hurting Batman." But there is some shit that happens in that ep- that that series where you and I, as adults, can look at that and be like, "He's fucking menacing yeah, that guy." Yeah, yeah. Like the Mad Love episode, the Paul Dini Mad Love episode. He's abusive as fuck to Harley, and that's yeah. like super important. Unhealthy, yeah. Um, you're like, ooh. And it's it's funny that problematic. That, yeah. <laughs> it's funny you both picked those things to talk about because on my way here, I wasn't a comic guy growing up, and Rumi specifically told me not to like, I don't want to hear that story again about how you didn't get into comics until <laughs> later. So I'm not gonna say that. But, <laughs> but um growing up. My parents let me watch and read pretty much whatever I wanted. We just didn't go to the comic. When we went to the comic stores, I got like horror comics and like sci-fi and stuff. But for whatever reason, my dad's brother, my uncle, gave him The Killing Joke and Dark Knight Returns, like the graphic novels of those, because those were like a prestige format in the late 80s. And for whatever reason, my dad had them under his bed. They weren't like hidden. Next to the Playboys? My dad did not have Playboys. <laughs> Why? How do you think I know what was under his bed? <laughs> My dad's listening right now. He's like, I didn't hide him under the bed, you asshole. I knew you were under there. No, but I found those comics there one day, and it was before the animated series had come out. So I was maybe 10 years old. Wow. But I read Killing Joke. And up until that point, Ooh. I only had I kid, yeah. I only had kid idea of Joker and Batman 66 as Joker. And fucking Joker shoots Barbara through the spine and then undresses her and shows her father pictures of her naked, paralyzed body. And Which I, I remember kid, making me, that made me sick yes, to my stomach. Like yes, I, yeah. I wanted to throw up. And like, that, I think that in my core of what the Joker is, I think that's who he is to me. No matter what else he does above or beyond or under that, that's where he lives for me. Uh-huh. And I think that's a chilling like he tried to drive Gordon insane, and that's just for the sake of doing it. Yes, yeah. and it's so personal. Yet it's the Joker's business, but it's personal for Gordon. It's personal for Batman. It's certainly personal for Barbara. And then you think of the ripples that that created throughout, you know, the Batman universe. Yeah, I think that's like a real insight into the Joker. And for me, that's that's my Joker because of that comic. And like, yes, we can. The hindsight of 30 or 40 yeah, years, we can just deconstruct a but, lot of but that. But the yeah. impact, the ripple in the pond that that yeah. image put, you know, same thing. I mean, Alan Moore constantly did this. Watchmen, killing joke. I mean, every time he throws a stone, it leaves ripples. Yeah, sure, like, yeah, that's sure. the impact of, like, yep. uh, of, a, of a person like that. And, and I think there's a lot of comic book writers that every now and then just make this impact that lasts. Like, yeah. that is why that character is. I mean, uh, the death of Gwen Stacy. That is so iconic to who Peter Parker and Spider-Man is. Like, that event leaves a ripple throughout everything. Yeah. And if you take that away, because I found out just this week, just found out this week, it blew my mind. In Mexico, they were licensing Marvel to do their own thing with. And when they killed Gwen Stacy, these artists were like, no, we're not doing that. Not, so they, she, she just didn't die. They ended up getting married. Yeah, <laughs> they, it went on for like, I think it was like 50 or 60 issues before they like were like, yeah, we're out of money. That's no more great. Spider-Man. But it was like, I like that Gwen Stacy was an item point in their budget where they're like, no, we can't afford it. We can't, we can't, what's this blonde girl kill. doing here? Scratch. Scratch <laughs> out. That's so funny. And I do think, just to throw the artist a bone, I do yeah. think that the really big ripples have been a good, right, a great writer and a great artist. Yeah, because yeah. I, yeah. 
I noticed this when I used to have to, when I used to read like a hundred issues in a row for research, like before I read, uh, wrote new mutants, I just wanted, I always wanted to absorb everything. Yeah. You read these runs and you, and depending on the artist, it does seem like, and I know it's, it must just be a trick, but it's like, Oh, the writing's so much better in this issue, you know? And it's like, Oh, it's not, it's not a mistake that all the Bill Sienkiewicz issues of new mutants. Yeah. Right. Are, are better written than other ones. You know, there's got to be some sort of alchemy there. That's why I always try, and going back to Carnage, that's why, like, Carnage is a hard character, but if you know that, that uh, a particular artist is drawing that character who's suited to that character, right. you're like, oh, now my mind's working. I can see, like, I'm not going to pass up that, you know, being able to work. To that end, it's it's not just how good they draw the character, it's how they lay out their pages because yeah. you can fly through a comic book if the pages are laid out well and it's not like block of text, picture block yeah. of text. Like that, that can really slow down sort of the way you take in the information. But I know sure. there's pages that you're just flying through and you're like, I don't remember reading that. Yeah, and yeah. Something, something like Watchmen sometimes feels like you're reading quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, mm. the, the, you know, a well-drawn Carnage story or a well-drawn Spider-Man story that utilizes the page and where the words are makes you just that's why i always like to work and i and i know most people do this but you write your script and then you get the artwork back and then you start rewriting your script the artwork thinking about where's my eye going right you know like do i need someone to say something here or do is it better if you if your eye just glances across it and i think that was fun that's an important part of the process too and someone like yourself who has written and been involved with different mediums You've been in film and television. You've also been in comics. It's a collaboration. And I feel like yeah. when you're writing a comic, to boil it down, it's you and the artist or artists. When you're working in film or television, it's a much bigger crew, usually. Yeah, for sure. But I feel like you guys got to have a shorthand between you and whoever else you're working with, whatever it might be, whether it's makeup artists and lighting designers and set yeah. designers, or if it's you and just an artist in a comic book, you guys got to understand that character your artist has to understand you as a writer. You yep. have to understand your artist. Yeah. And I think that's when you get the strongest Absolutely. collaboration. Right? And then sometimes in my, like the art pages would come back. In my opinion, the artist didn't get what I was doing, but then, uh, then the art takes the lead. And then I morph the art, the, the writing to what he or she decided to do. And then you have a product at the end. That's different. You know, like it's good to have a collaboration, sure, yeah. you know, if everything came out exactly how I wanted it to, it would be boring. It would be, I think I'm kind of stodgy, you know, like I overthink things. Yeah. And sometimes it's good for me to have someone throw a hand grenade into like, uh, Chris Bacello would restructure, yeah. you know, I, I thought this was going to be a five panel page and suddenly it's a nine panel page so that he could buy himself a splash page. And leaning into that, I think led to work that I love. Like I love that stuff and I love it because it, it seems like something I could never do on my own. And so I think you have to stay loose. Sure. Yeah. It's always good to stay loose and not take this stuff too seriously yeah. because you lose your way and you don't always know what the best thing is. And the book still has to come out. The so. book, and that's what's great yeah, about comics is no, once that's drawn, no one really gives a shit unless it's like broken the story. It's a business, you know, they, yeah. they'd have to come out. And right. so you just make it uh, as good as you can. You roll with it, and it's great. So my next question is, when you were growing up, what were some comic books that emotionally landed with you? And you already talked about The Killing Joke. We already talked about it a little bit, which is right. on everybody's short list is like, 
ooh, hit you in the heart when you yeah. read it the first time. But <laughs> Not my dad's. Yeah. He was like, fuck this. <laughs> Under the bed. <laughs> Under the bed. Were there any comics that resonated with you on, a, on an emotional level growing up that really made you be like, wow, this is more than just a fun action thing? Yeah, I think Craven's Last Hunt was yeah. the first one that like just came out and kicked me in the teeth because Spider-Man had been such a fun character mm -hmm. yeah and then seeing spider-man in the rain getting shot and captured and thrown underground was and that's one that is one of those ones that i read was so affecting to me mm -hmm. and then 30 years or however long later probably 30 years later yeah you're like oh was it was it as good as i remember and then you read it and it is like that yeah. is a classic class story See, it's funny because I was going to ask you, like, I, I love your story when you said you, you got those, the giant size and you remember picking those up for the first time. Late to the game, I was, I, I was working in New York City, living here in Los Angeles, but in New York City for a movie, I was traveling a lot and then traveling for like myself, family bullshit a lot from New York City. And I was just getting into comics. So I would just go buy like 10 hardcovers and fly with them. And I remember being in an airport and Marvel had just come out with this new line of hardcovers, uh, uh -huh. like the premiere, premiere yeah, yeah, edition yeah. and Craven the Last Hunt. I remember seeing it through the window and I remember being like, oh, I'm flying to Michigan today. And I got it. And I read it's Mike Zek art. Oh, and Mike Zek is so, oh, good. so good. And it's, you know, this, the black costume, the black Spider-Man costume is just so cool looking to begin with. Yeah. Never has it looked better than there. No, and no, in no. that story, like you said, no. in the rain. And the writing and the colors really just bring that whole story together. And like we've all read Dark Spider-Man's tales, and some of them are great, and some of them feel like you're taking this character who yeah, is he doesn't pure and emotionally yeah. and we're making <laughs> yeah. him dark. Right. But that story, you're like, fuck, he was buried alive. Yeah. Like it's really deep. And then that ending, if you guys haven't read Craven's The Last Hunt, I don't know what the fuck you're oh listening to this God. podcast for. And then yeah, there are pages where it's just Mary Jane walking in the rain and yeah. she's just bummed out. And yeah. there's something that bums you out about it. Like mm -hmm. as far as like someone, a work that takes an emotional feeling and just like injects it into you. Yeah. Which I think is the, the, the coolest thing you can do that does it pretty much better than any Spider-Man story I've read. When I was a kid, I didn't have a huge collection of comic books until I was about what, what really got me into it is I was sick home from school one day. I'm probably in fourth, third, fourth grade, maybe we're at the drugstore and I see a comic book and the cover is grabbing me. It's Fantastic Four 391 and it's Galactus. And it's, it's a remake of the uh, If This Be Doomsday cover where Galactus mm -hmm. is blowing up the Fantastic Four. And it's kind of a redux of that. And I was like, I want to get this comic book. Mom's like, sure, here you go. Bought the comic book, get home. I'm like, oh boy, it's my first comic book. I start reading it. I'm loving it. Great comic book. I get the last page. Galactus kills the Fantastic Four. I burst into tears. I'm like, Mom, my first comic book. And I liked it. And they're dead. And She's like, like, I don't care. You're going back to school tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. well, You're going she, to school. And she was like, well, they don't. They, they die don't, no one really, no dies. really yeah. dies. I was like, I want to read the next one. And so we waited <laughs> yeah. until like a, you know, a little bit later and found the next issue. And from that point, I was hooked uh -huh. on Fantastic Four, which who likes Fantastic Four? Well, uh -huh. this kid does. But it was like, that was like one of those things like early on learning. My first lesson with comic books was nobody dies yeah. forever. I remember in junior high, I walked into the comic store and I saw a kid from school there. And I was like, oh, cool. And another kid that's reading comics. And he had that issue of spider-man eric larson uh venom he's holding up spider-man's skull. skull yeah and the kid was like dude spider-man died 
<laughs> and instantly I was like, well, you're a fucking writer. Like, okay, you fucking poser. You obviously don't know shit about shit. This is such a great year for Spider-Man right now. I mean, you have a movie. Did you enjoy it? I haven't seen it. Every oh, human yes. being I know tells me that it's the best movie they saw this year, not the best animated movie. Well, it's probably up there. It's up yeah, there. It's well, not, it's up there. Everyone, everyone I know that's seen it. Sold I'm it. jealous that you get to experience it for the first time. Well, we won't get into it, but it ruins my whole point. <laughs> Forget your point. Let's go back to death. <laughs> in fifth grade is when Superman died for me. Oh, uh, yeah. And I, that, again, I re, for someone who didn't read comics growing up, I have a lot of like first comic memories. Playing the fucking alto saxophone in Mr. <laughs> Gary's band. Me, Pete Arrigo, and Anthony Mastriani were the saxophone players. Pete Arrigo pulls out Superman 75 when Doomsday uh-huh. kills Superman. And I know that no one dies in comics. But this like had yeah. weight. And yeah. it really was just like a fucking comic selling event. Like they you, did a great job. Like it was even awesome. yeah, it was hard. Even as a cynic, you were like, "Well, is he dead?" Because it's right. on the it's on the news. Yeah, it's, that was the thing. It was there as a lines, kid, you're like the television. Yeah, is telling there are you lines this. coming out of the comic store. What? And Maybe was, he's dead. I remember reading that issue, fingering our saxophones, just <laughs> boop, 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 while flipping through the pages, <laughs> and read that issue. And then my dad got, I asked my dad, my dad got me the trade that collected, you know, the, what, seven, six or seven Right, the one you up. could find. So fucking cool. And it's a silly gimmick. When you read the comic, it's really, there's not much there. It's no, just a slugfest, no, yeah. especially that issue. But as a kid in fifth grade, what else did I want except that cool ass Dan Jurgens design yeah. beating the shit yeah. out of Superman? That's all it was, right? They just beat the shit out of each other. Uh, and it was all yeah. splash pages for the but whole. But Doomsday beats the fuck out of the Justice League. A whole bunch. Of, he right. beats Superman once or twice first, and then it's that they do that. That I think it's a. I think it's a, such a cool thing. The first, I don't know, three or four issues leading up, they keep changing the page count. You know that? Yeah. Or the yeah. panel count. The panel, rather, panel the panel count. count yeah, each yeah. Page. And I didn't know that growing. I didn't know that growing up. But as a as an adult, I read and looked into it. And like, I think as a kid, your little brain kind of gets that it's getting more epic yeah, every because yeah, I read. Yeah. The, you know, the trades. So I read all that girl coming up. Why do you have a smirk on rooms? Because you know when Superman died for me? Got that damn mullet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone else is like, Superman's back. You're like, no, he's no, not. He's no, not. He's not. no, he's not. No, none he's these, not. None of these guys are Superman. This guy from Northern Exposure. I remember once we were at the grocery store with my mom, and the guy was like, can I help you out with your groceries? And I was like, sure. And then he's like, hey, you like comic books? And this kid must have been like 16, 17 or whatever. He was like, Batman's going to get his back broken. You got to read it. You got to read it. So like, he was so hard up on getting me to buy this Batman thing. I was like, oh, cool. Thanks, man. And my mom was like, he shouldn't be talking to kids. <laughs> <laughs> he should be living on Endor with a bunch of little Ewoks and a little girl. That's, that's that guy's fate. <laughs> well, that's how I got into Nightfall, though, which was you know one of those ones that you like every issue. Do you remember reading friends that? Would get that? Nightfall? Yeah. Yeah. I remember reading the uh, Azrael. Is that mm-hmm. Yeah, that was and that up. was that stuff was good. I remember that being good. I remember the Bane, the first appearance of Bane yeah. being good. Like his, that was, it was his origin, right? Yep. Yeah, had that cool painted cover. And yeah, yeah. All the Kelly Jones painted. That covers. was good. See, I was, uh, I was making. My parents had a copying machine, and I would make copies of my comic book stores, uh, Amazing Fantasy Comics in Littleton, Colorado. I would make copies for him, and he would give me credit, and so Damn. I. I could buy everything. And so then I started reading some DC comics and it was around that time. And I read Nightfall and I remember liking it. I remember, you know, 
they screwed up because Joe Casada drew Azrael's costume before, yeah. and it was awesome. And then other artists, I felt like when they drew it, it kind of didn't look as cool. It looked kind of weird. More pockets. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 kind of hard to come after Casada. Yeah, right? for it sure. doesn't matter what. I'm trying to think of what he drew that I was like, eh. yeah, 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 pretty yeah, much yeah, everything yeah. is like that's fucking awesome. That's great. Yeah. Oh, that that'd be an interesting episode. Like, who don't you want to follow in a run? It's like the first person to have to do Spider-Man after McFarlane. Yeah. Leaves. Oh yeah, God. Yeah. I got to do what with the webs? <laughs> yeah. Do you that. remember that when you were? Kid, like, and you would, you like, you'd be so excited for the next issue of Spider Man. Yeah. You didn't have, you couldn't get online. You didn't know who was writing it or drawing sure. it. Yeah. And then you'd go and it'd, it'd be a fill in artist, and it was so heartbreaking. Oh, yeah. I remember I was so into Punisher <laughs> with uh, Wills Portacio. Yeah. Those, those were so good. And then when he left that book, I was heartbroken. Yeah. Because there's just no, there's no replacing that guy. It's hard. Remember if we would do it like in the middle of a storyline? Yeah. Like not even like they didn't even wrap up the arc. They were just like, boom, new shit. And you're like, wait, what? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) In the most, one of the most recent, I mean, I I guess it was, uh, who was it? I mean, it's Red Hulk, Spider-Man, Ghost Rider. Thunderbolts. Well, they they go into Vegas and uh, Darkseid is opening a portal to hell and, and Vegas is turned into hell. and old ghost riders has to keep riding his bike in a circle or else the portal closed. Like it was goddamn ridiculous. And you turn the, and like every like seventh page was just a completely different artist. Like whoever <laughs> was just was running out of time. And like, Oh, we got to get in a ring to finish this book out. So you're just like, you turn the pages and you're like, what is going on right now? And it was the guy who originally drew the walking dead, the first like five oh. issues of the walking dead. And he just is so detailed. And I think it gets to a point where he might be running out of time. Right. We don't have enough time for this yeah, detail. Yeah, you got to get in Just a fucking guy on a motorcycle. Let's go. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I remember Alan Davis uh, on Excalibur. Like, they got up to, like, issue 17. And then there were, like, 13 fill-in issues before he came back and, like, started writing it. <laughs> yeah. and, and, again, like, you didn't know who was. You'd just go to the comic store on Excalibur Day and be ready to dig into another <laughs> Alan Davis issue, and what is just somebody something that someone drew in a week. Who's you know? this guy? Yeah, yeah. Oh. so heartbreaking. So silly. But you'd man. buy it. You'd buy it. You'd have to. You'd have buy it every not? time. You couldn't have that gap in your <laughs> right in your books. Oh man, <laughs> God forbid. Did you have a big collection? Yeah, real big. Like big yeah. enough that your would your parents threaten to throw it out if you if it got to a point? No, they. they I mean, they did eventually. Oh. I think they, they they spent a lot of time in the attic. Now they're in my. They're still they're in my mom's basement. Oh, still, oh yeah, those boxes are coming apart. Yep, most of them. Yeah, wow, that's a good mom. Yeah, definitely. That I shouldn't still have them, but I do. And <laughs> but man, you you look through them now, and you're like, oh, I read some fucking trash. Like, yeah, I mean, the not it was the '90s. The '90s was a bad time. <laughs> but, <laughs> but a great, a very, I remember. It was an interesting time. It was we an interesting time. To look at, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I have a box that has inside the box. There's a bag of comics that have survived and like I'll every once in a while I'll be like interviewing a creator and I'll be like, I know that I had issue fucking 14 of that. And I'm like, I wonder if I still have that. And I'll look and I'll be like, I don't have that, but I have justice league versus predator. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I mean, but we were too young to know. We just were eating it up. We didn't care. I mean, I read all of Maximum Clonage like it was awesome, yeah. and I didn't know better. And now I'm like, I adult, told you it was I bad. Know. Like, <laughs> you're like, uh, most people think it sucks, and I was like, did it suck? I did it. <laughs> I remember. Like, yeah, One Peter Parker. Three must be even better. <laughs> it is weird how your consciousness is growing because I remember reading like Maximum Carnage, 
and knowing that I felt exhausted at the end yes. of an issue, but not being able to put two and two together that maybe it wasn't good. I reread that recently. And <laughs> oh my God. Back on Carnage. It's like you said, there's a lot of words on those books. Yeah, like, no, it's, it's hard. It's hard to chew through. It's not fun. And it also is like, it's one of those things that branched over multiple Spider-Man yeah. titles. So depending on who the writer and the artist was, sometimes that 23 pages hit the stride. And the other 23 pages are like, who is this chick? Yeah. It's not Maxim and this It's like they girl. each were given a plot point right. and, they, yeah. and they had to stretch out that one right. plot point. I don't know if DC was this bad, but Marvel, I think, is awful at doing this. Or maybe they're genius about doing this, where they make you just be like, well, I guess I got to buy a Thor comic. Yeah. Now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. So it's like, I have nothing against Thor or Iron Man, but like I didn't, wasn't collecting them. Yeah. Here comes Onslaught. And I'm like, well, I guess I got to yeah. read all this Captain America <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah. And I remember feeling deep anxiety. Yeah. Like, I've got like it was like that. I have got to get these. Like Acts yeah. of Vengeance came out. Yeah. And the and the ad said it would change the Marvel universe forever. And you're like, well, <laughs> well I, can't I gotta get it. every I gotta get every issue. And then nothing happened in that entire <laughs> event. Like no issue was important. Not one of the issues was important. Oh man. You know, the same thing, Age of Apocalypse. There's like 20 different X-Men versions that you gotta get through. And then it was just like half of these people aren't even fighting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> get me back to the main storyline, please. And like, oh, you gotta go get that other X-Men. But they are comic. smart. They're smart about making you think you need all of that. Yes, yes. Well, and then we go and buy the hardbacks again. I got when suckered they come in, out in Civil War. I bought Heroes for Hire. I bought New Mutants. Young Avengers. Yeah. I got Swizzle. <laughs> but by the time you, by the time I was writing, I was you've grown up with it, so you're like, right. well, this is it. So let's see if you can do something. It was a it was a challenge. Like, sure. can I do something that the person that picked it up? But then you're also always like, can I do this? Can I do this? Can I do this? Because you wanted something important. How but, regimented right. is is that when you write? Well, for there's always the, there's always the alpha. You know, yeah. the alpha that's writing the big event. You mm -hmm. know, like Mark Miller or or Bendis and. Uh, and as it should be, they get to do what they want. And then you get to try to sneak in and, and slot something in that's going on in between the lines, you know? So you're, right. you're trying to find something that you could fool the reader into thinking you were involved in when really you're just slotting your story in, in between <laughs> Who something. do you pitch that sort of thing to? Is there like The editor, yeah. yeah. Just an editor. Okay. Wow. But it was funny when I first started. It was funny because, Axel, you know, you'd be talking to Axel... And I like my first story. I was going to do Frogman as him, him as a little, as a young as a tadpole. Yeah, as a tadpole teenager. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, or I can't remember what character it was. It happened many times where you'd you'd be like, "Oh, sorry, I, I just I, I can't do that anymore because I just read blah 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 number thirty five, and this happens." And the editor, you could see, you could almost hear them. On the other line, like going, who fucking who cares? cares? Yeah, <laughs> just fucking write your story. This thing's doing, this thing's doing a week. Nobody cares if Skull and Bones was doing this, you know, in Captain America 338. Shut the fuck up, give him wings, and get this story done. Yeah, can you have it done by five? Yeah. Yeah, do it. I don't care what you do. Because you're, you're doing this almost a detriment, but you're doing your due diligence to read all these comic books yeah. so you're aware. But then you're like, everything's been done. Nothing's yes. original. It's all over. What can because I do? I was such a tweaker when I was a kid. And if, if something didn't line up or make mm -hmm. sense, it was so devastating. You're like, well, what, how he's doing this and this issue. And it, what? Yeah. You know, it was, it was really disturbing. <laughs> so I just never wanted to do that. When you, when you'd finish one issue, you pick up the next one, you're reading the first page. And you're like, no, yeah, you'd yeah, go yeah, back yeah, and look yeah. at the last issue. This yeah. is it, right? what? Wait, what? Yeah. Oh, 
what's going on? Like, there's no, they always need that box. I always wish they had that. But I was like, don't worry, kids. We'll pick that storyline yeah, up a yeah. little bit later. Yeah, you're that little dialogue box. So you got, you got to go back and see Thor 46. You're like, fuck, Thor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh. Did you ever have a comic, the one that got away? Well, I oh, always had. Damn. Yeah. Uh, as far as like owning. Yeah, I think, I mean, I've always wanted to have the first appearance of Punisher. When I was a kid, that would have been the coolest thing for, for me sure. to have. And then, you, then, again, I'm 41 now, and you realize how problematic that character is. It's like, <laughs> oh, kill those poor people. Punisher. <laughs> yeah. And then all the cops, like, put the Punisher emblem on their cars now. Yeah. And stuff, right? And like, yeah, 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 yeah. You're like, oh, no. That's too <laughs> oh, much no. fandom. That's yeah. too much fandom. But I just thought he was the coolest when I was a oh, kid. He's, the bad, he's a badass. Yeah. Well, Matt and I always come back to the Punisher at some point where we're like, how, how can you not figure this character out? He's angry. He hates bad guys. He kills them. The end. Yeah. Like yeah. every movie has had such a massive so much problem. trouble. What's, What's the best Punisher that you've seen outside of comic books? I have not had a chance to watch the the Netflix Punisher. I'll save you some time. Really? What we're doing right now? More exciting and more asking. Really? In but my I, opinion. I will say I like him as the Punisher. I just agree with that. As, as a rule, like Burn he's a great actor. Awesome. I, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. I just want him to punish. Nothing, yeah. No punishing going on. In my opinion. Clearly not enough. I always like the idea, and I think the one who wrote that original Punisher miniseries was Mike Zack. Stephen Grant? Who wrote back, that? Back, back, back. Back, back, yeah. back. I read an interview with him where he said the Punisher is suicidal. Like, he's just doing what he's doing because yeah. he's in pain and wants to die. Mm. And that's and I that struck a chord with me. I think that's a, at least some, that's meaty. Yeah. That's when you write something like that's a meaty thing. Somebody that's super bummed, does not care if this mission is the mission that kills them, does not care if he's getting shot because oh, this might be the day that he gets peace. He died when his family died. He, right. he is a ghost and every day yeah, that he yeah, gets yeah. to punish somebody who is doing wrong is bonus to him. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I've always liked that. I don't feel like I've gotten a lot of that in Punisher. Well, they always try to make him a human. They always yeah, try to they make always him- try to make him a human. And I like, and that's why I like Electra too. I, Cause I feel like Electra's dead inside or yeah. should be re- yeah. like, I always when wanted she's to write written her. well. Yes. Yeah. Because I never thought she should talk or she should talk as little as yes. possible because she just doesn't fucking care anymore. She's been so traumatized and there's so much pain yeah. that she's just, she doesn't care about human connection anymore. Well, that's yeah, why your carnage that. is your approach to carnage is so spot on for what we're talking about with the Punisher. It's like he almost shouldn't be the character. He should yeah. be. Yes. The sh- Matt, you always call it. Cause I complained about the Netflix series on Facebook recently. And a lot of people who, like, up until this point were my friends, were like, <laughs> well, you could, you could have a story with no dialogue. And I'm like, no, I agree with that, but that should not drive a Punisher story. And the way that I was yeah, thinking yeah. about it, like, to explain it to people is, Punisher is the shark in Jaws. Yeah. I don't want to know what his yeah, deal yeah, is. Yeah, 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 we yeah. used to talk about it, and he used to be like, the Punisher can have sex, but I don't want to know about it. Yeah, And that's totally. true. Like, he should not, yeah. like, that should not be something I know is happening. Yeah. It shouldn't be happening. Right. But, like. Who gives a shit? Yeah, and he certainly shouldn't enjoy it. Oh, like, no, he doesn't just, yeah, enjoy yeah. it. No, no. He's, <laughs> you, you know what he's thinking about yeah. that whole time. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I, and I mean, that's the thing. It's like when you have a, a good Punisher story or like the Sam and Twitch Spawn stories, it wasn't about Spawn and it yeah. made sure. him scary. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, they, they, it's the detectives following the Punisher. It's the mobsters being afraid of the Punisher. And then this ghost shows up and lays waste to anybody yeah. in his way. 
And that aftermath, I think, is more powerful than any time I'm like, oh, I feel sad for my family, which is a powerful thing. But I've seen that movie. Yeah, right. It shouldn't be like that's not the pun. In my opinion. Yeah, that's not the Punisher's. That's not why you should read a Punisher story. No, you don't want to. And feel that's really why, why he wasn't create. You know, he was right. a villain for so yeah. long, right. and then we in the eighties just somehow <laughs> forgot he was a villain, and which is pretty. He just sold enough right? comics. Yeah, that's and, what you think about it. Yeah, well, interesting. They're like Joker shooting chicks in the stomach and torturing their fathers. <laughs> I think the Punisher can finally yeah. kill some people <laughs> for fun now. Do Let's do job. this. Let's do this. No, for sure. I mean, you've written so many great characters and so many great You wrote a great Punisher story. Yeah. The anti- Probably. Yeah. (laughs) The the anti-Venom Punisher story. Yeah. I I fucking loved that story. I loved that story. Yeah. The end of the, I think it's issue one, when Punisher realizes that anti-Venom- Right, is Eddie Brock Brock and he shoots- I almost bought that original page, but it had a lot of blue line on it, but that's, I mean- what a cool fucking And idea. then they like team up and every once in a while the Punisher will try to kill him. You yeah, know, they just like whenever he lets his they, they're guard stopped down. somewhere yeah. in a van and, and he has Punisher. To take yes. thing I thought that was fucking so genius. He tries to kill him. There's a scene in this story where their their Punisher is teaming up with Eddie Brock, who at this point is anti-venom, and they're in a van and they're trying to get by the bad guys somewhere. So Eddie Brock has to like, or it's suck like the city it's like in. Uh, customs, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he has to be not anti-venom, he has to be Eddie Brock. So he, you know, gets the, the, the symbiote out of the way. And as that happens, Frank Castle just grabs a knife and just <laughs> tries to get him in the throat. And then just a little wisp of symbiote yeah, grabs the wrist. It. And it's just so fucking, it's amazing. Yeah. I've never seen that original. But again, before, that's but like, that, so cool. that is, that's like a shark. That's just, the Punisher is just going to do what he does. That, yeah. And I think the best storytelling does not have dialogue. Like I understand. Yeah, you shouldn't need it. You shouldn't least, need right? it. No. And, and dialogue's tricky because. You don't want your comic to have no dialogue, but but if it's good enough, you do. But it just reads fast, you know. But I, I think dialogue has to buy itself. It has to be doing something. There has to be subtext. It has to be doing something different than what the person's saying, which is hard. Yeah, I'm yeah. not saying I always did that because that's very hard. Of course, it's hard. I mean, the best comics are the ones you forget you read. Yeah, but you know, at the same time. The Watchmen is one of the best comics ever, and that's a novel. And yeah, yeah, yeah. talking about this Watchmen. What is that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we're talking about Christmas comics. will be coming up soon. I'll get you. We're talking else. about comics that we grew up and that meant something to us. One of the very few comics that I had start to finish was Batman vs. Predator, the original one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. I've never read that. Who? I mean, who, who, there, does it? who did it? It's Dave Gibbons wrote it. And the the Kubert brothers drew it. Oh, wow. So, and I'm telling you, I don't know that I've ever read a crossover that was A, so meant to be, and B, done so well. Because the art and the, I don't know who the colorist was, but the colorist nailed it. It is the perfect blend of both of those two worlds. And Dave Gibbons clearly understood Batman and Predator. He's one of those people that we got to speak to. And I I bumped into him at Comic-Con. I was like, we would really love to interview you about Batman versus Predator. And he got this huge smile on his face. And he was like, I never get to talk about that one. Uh-huh. So we like sat down and he was so excited. It's, you know, Predator knows who Batman is. He comes to Gotham. To take him down. Yes, to yeah. hunt because that's the biggest game. And Batman has to catch on to what's going on and then fight. And I'm not, I'm going to, I'm going to, you give me your New York address. And I'm going to send you that okay. book. It is, it is just so friggin' cool. And that it was, is, hearing you talk it out, that is That'd be that's two characters that would work together. Have you have you ever seen Predator Two? Yeah, it's Danny Glover wearing a Batman hood. Basically, that's so much better though. It's the first one was Gary Busey wearing. I think it was ninety two. It's a three issue mini, 
And then there was another, I think, a four-issue sequel and another three or four-issue third sequel or they second all have sequel. Their merits, which is, but yeah, the, the second one. one is fun. The third one is okay. But the first one is like, Bad it was ass. so cool. And it just made, I, as a kid, I was a very big Predator kid. Huge. Sure, yeah. And Batman was good enough, but that was just so cool. And there were... I remember there, were very, there was a variant cover series by Arthur Sudum, the guy yeah, who does yeah, the yeah. zombie covers. Oh, yeah, wow. And what year was this? 92, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And it's, I, I'm telling you, man, I, I, it's going to be my gift for you for, okay, great. for putting us on <laughs> this <laughs> luxurious tour. Welcoming <laughs> us into your garage. But it's, it, it really is. It's a, it's a great book. And it was, um, it's, the tone is like people are getting murdered. There is blood. The the art is beautiful. Yeah, that's when those those brothers would draw together, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I have a, I and I have a page with me. I'll show you. I have a page here. I guess we'll talk about it in a second. But Zeb wrote a Spider Man Wolverine story that is one of my absolute favorite books ever, and I own three pages of it. And oh, wow. Mr. Wells said that he would sign those, so I actually Absolute brought them Mr. in Wells. one of my portals. <laughs> yes, yeah, I called you Zeb at the beginning of that, and I felt weird, and I backed back out of it. But well, I'll show you. I have a, I have a page from from the Cuberts of the of the uh, Batman vs. Predator, and it's like, it's amazing. You have you read it, right? The Batman vs. Predator. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I've it's read it. it's really really it's it's really right. fucking cool. So since since we're talking about it, and, and since you're about to bring up the Wolverine birthday story, one offs. One-offs are always mm. something that I love. I yeah. love a good one-off because I don't need to buy every issue from every series. Yeah, like, yeah. like the big series are exhausting sometimes. The big Marvel events are exhausting. A good one-off can be as good as any Civil War is. Totally, and it's great practice because it's just got, you have to nail all the elements of a sto- of what a story yeah. is supposed to do in a small uh space i don't know do you read do you read uh i got a book once that was all three page sci-fi short stories and they were just fantastic because that's such an art form to just tell a complete arc in a a small or in prose it was prose okay (laughs) yeah they were really good but you know when you're doing a six you know a six issue arc it's got to get in there and figure out when you know when you're arcing when the climax is yeah but getting it distilled down, it's it's just a cool exercise. I've just been reading a lot of uh, Hellraiser comics. Uh, Clive Barker got back into telling Hellraiser stories. I've been reading Hellra- Hellraiser Bestiary, and they're just, it's like right now it's six issues. It's just an anthology, and I love that you can read so many great stories and explore so many different facets of a character that way. And like Matt said, you wrote one of the coolest ones and one of Matt's favorites. Matt, I'll let you set this up. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you right now, it's a spoiler and it's no joke as sincere as i can this is a story that when i explain what it's about i usually get choked up because, <laughs> he gonna cry he gonna cry I'm in serious. your garage i'm serious but it, there is a spoiler in what is the heart of this so it's amazing spider-man extra number two number two yeah and it's you know there, it's a it's a one shot and it's got it's basically like an annual type story and there's a bunch of i think there's at least two or three stories in there yours is sans title until the end because it's a spoiler. So if you want to read it, read it. Okay, I'm glad you guys read it and now you're back. <laughs> um, the story is Spider-Man outside in the cold, light snow. He's waiting for Wolverine. Wolverine says, you know, I'm glad you're here. Spider-Man says, what did you need me for? Wolverine looks at his watch and says, we still got some time. Let's go in this dive bar. They're bullshitting in the dive bar and you write incredible dialogue. Some guys kind of start a fight with Wolverine. Wolverine beats the shit out of them. A guy comes back and shoots Wolverine in the back of the head. 
Wolverine pops up with claws, goes to kill the guy. Spider-Man saves the guy, calms Wolverine down, and says, what, what is going on? This, is, this night has turned into a shit show. Why did you want me here? And Wolverine looks at his watch and says, it's 12.08. My birthday is over. You can go. And he, the crux is he wanted Spider-Man, his friend, to stay with him for his birthday. And I thought, like, no joke, I think that's genius that you took. And that was early when I started, just started to get into comics. Uh-huh. And I'm like, these two guys, Spider-Man is literally in his tights. Yeah. Wolverine yeah. is in civvies. Yeah. But, like, these two men are having a conversation about the difference between family and friends and how Wolverine says, for my birthday, I wanted to be with my friend. And right. the X-Men are my family. They would die for me and they'd kill for me. But they know what they I am. They know who he is. Yeah. And you, you're, he says, you're, you were, you're stupid enough to think that I wouldn't have killed that guy. That I wouldn't have killed that guy, yeah. And I was like, that, I mean, that really, that's mind-blowing. I thought that's such an amazing story. Thank you. I'm, I am proud of it. You, you wish they could all be that good. And I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier, where Spider-Man and Wolverine, in my mind, are two of those characters that have been distilled into something that I know exactly what those two characters are. So sure. yeah. you start with a short story. And I think Steve Wacker even had the idea because I was hung up on what I should do with them. And he was like, well, what if they just got together for a drink? You know, and, and I love that too. I love when someone says that and then, then it's like a, cha- you know, like a challenge you have. Sure. Yeah. A parameter. Like parameters, a and then, and then you just start because I felt like every time I got to write Spider-Man was such a privilege. Wolverine, such a privilege. So you start saying, what can I say about these characters? Or like, how can I like show people the, the core of what these characters are? And that's, that's the goal. And then I think it even surprised me how much I had to say about those two characters. It was fun. And that was one, that was one of those stories that I just knew I had to do. Like I was doing Robot Chicken at the time and it was really busy. And I think I stayed up all night doing it, but I was passionate about that. You know, I sure, like, felt yeah, like yeah. one of those ones that you just needed to write. Yeah. And then the art, you know, like he's Paul is such a good yeah. storyteller yeah. that you know that you know he he dug into it and got what was going on and just really again, it's one of those ones where sort of the loneliness of Wolverine kind of comes out yeah. of the artwork when you see him, you know, roll up. Which it's it's such a great moment for a Wolverine and and somebody who's a fan of Wolverine because. You often get, you know, Wolverine alone in the snow, and I'm yeah, brooding, yeah. and I'm angry, and you still got to have that character. I mean, it's intrinsic to who he is, but you still got to have that. But then, just like you said, the moment to go have a beer, yeah, and, and that lets you peek into characters from a different angle, even though they're the same. You get a moment yeah. to have something different. Now, one of the things I wanted to ask about this story, a little, a little fun exercise to play with: what scenarios would you see if it was a different, if it wasn't Spider-Man? Who would have a beer with Wolverine that it might Oh, yeah, not, we've actually talked w- about this with it before. might not go as well or it might go even better. Who would right. be a good buddy to him or who would enable him? Who might like, yeah, let's kill this oh, guy. Bam. A, right. Like one of my favorite characters for Wolverine to get a bear with is Ben Grimm, the thing from the Fantastic mm-hmm. Four. I could see that. And even though they've had a horrible brawl, he he tore Ben Grimm's face up back in the nineties. He had to wear a metal mask for issues and issues and issues. But like they're a fun group to have together because they're both kind of loners. They both are, feel like monsters sometimes, but like to throw yeah, back to well, you. That's an interesting Well, What would you say the core of Ben Grimm is? Because that's a character. I'm not a big Fantastic Four guy, so it's... That's Nobody one, is. That's one that I... <laughs> I'm the only one. I that's think. an old man. Because like, I, I know that he's jovial. Yeah. Well, and he's sort of tragic. 
he, he right. puts that on, but he's who the Hulk is when he's not always angry. And then he looks in a mirror and goes, oh, God, I'm a monster. Right. I feel like a man. I feel like I'm normal. But then I look in the mirror and nobody sees me as human. I cannot be normal, even though I feel normal. Even then, But like everything that I touch breaks. Everywhere I go, people think of me differently. And so he's that embodiment. His main, his main character thing is, is the, the ultimate outcast. And, um, you know, I think that's something that he and Yeah, Wolverine that's definitely something on. you can hook into for yeah. sure. Yeah, exactly. Fun guy to grab a beer with. For me, Spider-Man is, out of any character, it's who I aspire to be. Yeah. Because he's, sure. he's, got a sense, he's got a good sense of humor in a, in a big way. In a, in a way that's like he can deal with tragedy and, and things when he's kind of compassionate as well. He'll punch you in the face, but he's not, he's not cruel. Sure. No, yeah, he's not looking for the fight. He will fight. punch yeah. you in the face as hard as it takes to stop you, yeah. but yeah. no harder. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, right. I think right, that's yeah. very important. Exactly, I think that's exactly. a really yeah. distinction. Well, you chose right the first time. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you picked the right character. The first, but, it, but it's a fun exercise to take a, a great character uh, piece or a great... No, that's, that's fascinating. I'll have to think about that. It's a really fun one. You I'm know, sorry, like, my brain is so fried from the moving. Yeah. All day that I can't. You know what? You can tell us at some point. Like <laughs> I picked this. We'll do a post more. It's like Zeb finally got back to us. <laughs> he said, Ayeshire, the old woman on the hill, the cow woman, who, midwife of the Marvel Universe. Oh, come on. I'm going deep stupid for that. I'll like Quicksilver's mom? Is that who you're No, no, no. She, she was the midwife. The midwife? Yeah, the she midwife. raised them early. She's like a cow woman. She's when a you say cow, cow woman, you mean she's a half woman, half cow? She is a cow, anthropomorphic <laughs> cow. Was that in the tick? Wasn't that in the tick? Wouldn't they have a killer cow? Yes, that is in the tick. They did. It's in the Marvel Universe. You could, you could uh, absolutely be lying and we would have no... I like, know. Mm, I yeah, I, I can't... I mean, this is not ringing any bells. Yeah. It's a weird one. Did you ever have an action figure? One of the 90s toy biz lines? <laughs> <laughs> cow woman. Matt, what about you? Was there a character that you would love to see Wolverine get a beer with? You got to get a good contrast. Like yeah. the, the, the thing yeah. is good, but all the X-Men are sort of brooding as well. So they're kind of out. It's, well, they're working for a good for reason. It can't be the, the X-Men yeah. because that's not, that's your family. That's like, if you're going to go grab a burger, you're going to go. What with are you going to talk? Yeah. Because what are you going to talk about? Right. You know everything. Yeah, I, I work with these guys all day. I don't want to go see them after work. Yeah, no. Hmm. That's, that got me thinking now. I just, the, the thing that, and that, that choked me up about your story was I can see Wolverine. Like, Wolverine walks away from him at the end of the story and says to Spider-Man, you're stupid enough to think right. that I, and to me, there was a point earlier in that night when Wolverine said, tonight's my birthday and I'm lonely. Yeah. And I want to hang out with a friend. Someone who, because he wanted, wanted a little to get jovial a little or feel good, yes, feel some warmth. He wanted, to, a, he he wanted exactly. to feel some warmth. He wanted to go with a friend. Yeah. And he, that's why he did not invite the X-Men. I mean, you wrote it. They've so you seen tell me too much. Right. Yeah, they've seen but, too much. Right. Yeah. He wanted to go with a friend, someone who appreciated his company. And thought the best of him and could right. still give him the benefit of the doubt. Like, right. Which I think is like, it, I really like, and I remember that like the, 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 the last page has Spider-Man in his tights standing outside as Wolverine has now walked away, hunched over with his arms across, shivering. And I remember feeling that way when I finished reading because I was like, fuck, these are two superheroes who are not based on real people. And I now care that like one of them essentially just got used for being a good guy. (laughs) And the other one is this like badass loner character who just reached out to his friend on his birthday. And I was like, damn. But it's like, it's the tragedy of, humanity where 
Wolverine wanted warmth, but he couldn't quite do it in a functional way. You know, like he, sure. he ends it by calling him an idiot, you know, yeah. sure. And walking away. There's no, there is warmth in a way, but it's like, it's just, well, he got what he wanted. He yeah. got what he, what, I mean, he, even in the, in the story says, uh, they almost have a fight and Spider-Man's like, maybe this is not a good kind of bar. And Wolverine's like, this is exactly like, because of yeah, that, this yeah, is my yeah. kind of bar. Yeah. So Wolverine got with maybe these possible exceptions right. being shot in the back of the head. He got everything that he wanted out of that yeah. birthday, you know? Best birthday ever. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of cake does Wolverine like? Is he a German chocolate Ooh. guy? <laughs> he's a confetti cake. He's a, I think he's a strawberry shortcake. <laughs> <laughs> I can I cannot see Wolverine eating cake. He's like, <laughs> 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 like you see, could you imagine Wolverine? Like, you got to get in on this. <laughs> oh, oh, this! I is, love an ice cream log. Who, who made it's got this? That Oreo who made this? <laughs> <laughs> Wolverine trying to track down who made the cake. <laughs> it's just what it happened. <laughs> he's sniffing it, doing his thing, and he's like. I think it needs red. red I think velvet? either red velvet or I was thinking straw. I think strawberry shortcake. <laughs> Wolverine, if you're listening, call it. We know you're listening. To, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of cake does Hugh Jackman like? like Is that a good approximation? He's biscotti or something. It's got to be hard. Something he can be pissed off and eat. Oh, what are <laughs> Canadians like? I'm not, I'm not cultural enough to know. What, what's a good Canadian dessert? Tim Hortons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, one other question. I mean, you've, you've written some incredible stuff such as this story, but what is a, a character that you've never gotten to write for and that you would love to tackle? I don't think I'm done with Electra. I have gotten to write her, mm-hmm. but I would, would love to write her. I would love to do, I'd love to do a run on Punisher. These are all characters I have written, so but, but still, I don't know. But, but like that, yeah, it's fine. But to, you don't to, really feel like you've gotten to dig in. Yeah. What else? Maybe a, a good Hulk's. Well, I don't know. Hulk's hard. I was such a fan of the Peter David. Great. Hulk. I love that gray Hulk. Sure. I was yeah. so into him when I was when I was in junior high. I love that gray Hulk. And the 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 rage monster, I think, is harder for me to to dig into, and it's hard for a lot of people. That's a hard yeah. character to make compelling. I think you could do a one, you can you do probably it. could do a one shot of that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But to, to make but a, a big long a six run. issue art or twelve yeah. issue arc. When yeah. is Hulk's birthday? <laughs> well, that motherfucker could eat some cake. <laughs> right? I don't think he would be choosy. I think he would just cake out. You just become known as the guy who writes birthday stories for all these superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> <It's like laughs> you could get, get like a Marvel to do like a nice hardcover of all the birthday, all the birthday stories. stories. Yeah, that would be awesome. I love that. Marvel steal our idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's do you have a Punisher story kicking around? Do you have any ideas? No, I do. You know, uh, but those are characters that I, going back to what I said, I just feel like I know that yeah. character. But yeah. I think it would be something where he's more of a, a shark and a force, like a just a dark force. But, but it's also human, you know? I like Because sure. he's a human, he's a traumatized human being who... But he's not going to go on a date. In no, this, right? no, 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 no. God, Episode no. one of season <laughs> two, he goes on a date. We find out it's with a single mom. They wake up from the morning of this like great sex scene that you had to watch. <laughs> and he's killed nobody. Uh-huh. <laughs> he wakes up and the kid has been dropped off by whoever had the kid. And the kid, Punisher's like, yo, what's up? Banged your mom. And the, and the kid's like, oh, hi. And the, the mom wakes up. She's like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean for you to see my son. 
And he's like, it's cool. What else am I doing in this episode? She's like, nothing. And then the kid's like, can we have breakfast? And Punisher's like, breakfast sounds good. And the kid goes, pancakes? Punisher looks at the mom and goes, I like pancakes. Off. I'm out. Nope. <laughs> oh, 12 minutes into the show. Yeah, I don't think this. I ever want to know what Punisher's first move is yeah. on a date. You know, like once yeah. Yeah. when he knows the time is right and it's time to make the move. I don't want to know what that looks like. And I mean, like trying to pretend that he can have a functional relationship with yeah, people I don't even, after murdering hundreds. Yeah, I don't even think he should be with it enough to go on a date in character, like undercover. Sure, yeah. right. I don't, I don't yeah. even want to see that. Like, I feel like he wouldn't be able to turn those feelings on or that warmth. It involves that too much of a psychopath. Yeah, to be able yeah. to go, right. hey, I'm normal. Let's have pancakes, kid. Right. Yeah. And not be like, son. And do like that shitty face-off waterfall <laughs> to that kid. Like, Which like, Rumi just did to me right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> like, he is not like well enough to not be able to just load guns and press ammo all day. All yeah, day. yeah. <laughs> what are some good, what are some of your, because I'm a huge Punisher comics guy, uh-huh. especially the newer stuff, let's say the last 30 years. What are some stories that, like, re- Punisher stories that resonate with you? Oh, there, that uh, d- Return to Big Nothing, which mm-hmm. was uh, Mike Zeck, and that does have a Punisher sex scene in it, which I think is in character because he's just bummed the whole time. Right. He's, he's undercover and he's just sad. It's moody sex. Yeah. There's <laughs> <laughs> no sick. joy in this. Let's talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> and then Punisher War Journal, yeah. I loved, as a, I mean, it's got that Jim Lee art. Yeah. And, Great story. I reread that semi recently, and the storytelling is really great. Mm-hmm. That 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 somehow worked, and that writer Carl Potts, I believe, was trying to wrestle with. Here's a man who's killing people, but he can't, you know. And then he right, would try to right. throw some humanity. Yeah. And the Jim Lee art made it all work, but it's also got like Punisher quoting Robert Frost. Yeah, you know, which, a lot. Yeah, which is a lot. Which is like, well, maybe <laughs> not, but. It was early and on. It was so early in the characters. Correct. It was still people right. taking swings, like trying to figure him out. And but I, it had enough things to keep you going. So even though you're like, Robert, Frost, oh, hey, he's killed like a, he's going on a sting yeah, to get all these yeah, gangsters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're also reading that, what, 20 years? Or yeah, for sure. Before after. the character was figured right. out. But right. it did have a pall of sadness over it. Mm-hmm. Sure. I need a pall of sadness. Yeah. On the Punisher. On the Punisher. <laughs> there's, there's your title right there. Yeah. Punisher Pall of Sadness. And the, uh, that Will Sportaccio stuff that Mike Barron did, that had a good yep. pall of sadness. And Will's art was sad mm-hmm. in some way. Like Punisher just looked sad. Yes. And yeah, 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 yeah. the blood was black and everything just seemed uh, dirty. And Good old heavy. 90s black blood. Yeah. 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 Is that it? And then it's like the stuff like the Garth Ennis Punisher stuff, which is so good, but maybe not. And I've read it all. I love it. Yeah. yeah. But maybe not Punisher for me. Two two Punisher, uh, hyper Punisher? yeah, maybe hyper Punisher. Well, that's that shark thing, but it's super shark. Yeah, not a lot of development well, as a character. Although, why? Yeah, throughout. why am I saying that? Because I've read all of them and I love them. But because here's the thing about it: it's it's Quentin Tarantino makes great movies, but looking back from our perspective now, it's like yeah, but it's the revel of the violence. And yeah, yeah. The it's the action and sort of the 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 hyper violence that comes out of it that we were like, hell yeah, fucking yeah, 90s, yeah, yeah. you know. But nowadays it's like there's better nuance to violence now. So I right. think I think we've evolved from that even as as consumers, even though 
you give me a Punisher thing where he kills guys for 20 pages and I'm like, fuck yeah. But, <laughs> but I can look back as, as maybe a more mature reader. I don't even know if I can give myself that much credit, <laughs> but realize that like a Punisher Max series as badass as Kitchen Irish is, it's, it's giving me that hyper violence that really only worked for that time period. Yeah. And I think Garth Ennis was writing a Garth Ennis comic and I will always show up for that. Yeah. That is, he's 10 times the writer I will ever be. But I, I, I'm still protecting that idea of the Punisher I have from, you know, sure. when I was in junior sure. high. Absolutely. I think it's also, and this probably is for any character that you love, it's when you fall in love with yeah. them, right? Like, yep. think of any movie, even movies and yeah, stuff, right? Yeah. Like, whatever, That's it, doesn't have to be a, it doesn't even have to be your first version, but whichever first, you whichever version love, your yeah. heart went to, that's going to be yours. And it feels right? super personal. Yeah, yeah. It feels like everyone else is wrong and you're right. <laughs> oh, somebody <laughs> out there subjective. listening right now is like, bring back the mullet, Superman. <laughs> <laughs> I like my Superman with a mullet. I like my Punisher on a couch talking. <laughs> that's, that's how I like my superheroes. I think that's why I loved Spider-Man Homecoming so much because yeah. I grew up at a time when the Uncle Ben stuff was so far in in the rearview mirror and it yeah. was just a fun loving dude that was doing stuff and then uh I, I think of those other spider-man movies were made by people that were geeky that grew up when the tragedy of spider-man the uncle ben stuff hit them so hard yeah so they kind of sat in that for a while mm -hmm. i didn't need to i never needed that out of spider-man i know yeah. i just need him to be a fun loving dude well, it's the Uncle Ben, the Gwen Stacy, and then yeah, for me it's it was, a lot of tragedy. Yeah, for me, it was I'm a clone, and I was like, oh man, <laughs> let me find out what happens next. <laughs> I think that's one of the greatest things. I was thinking about the um, I interviewed Jerry Conway a couple days ago, and this the death of Gwen Stacy is such an important important. Mm -hmm. I mean, like fulcrum of that whole Spider-Man mythos, which is interesting because you think of how many years of Spider-Man there was. Until that happened. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's been such an important part, whether you think she came back or not, or blah, 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 blah. I think that's so important, and it separates him from almost every other character who has his type of past, because he has such a dark, terrible, tragic past. But he is exactly the character you said, where he is yeah. He's ever the optimist. He always will give you the benefit of the doubt, no matter what murderer yeah, you yeah, are. Yeah. And I think that's so important as much as I love my Spawns and my Punishers and my Wolverines, Spider-Man, like you said, and I think this is the coolest thing you said tonight, was that he's the hero you aspire to yeah, be. Yeah, he's the closest to a what would Spider-Man do in my life. Like, I've probably asked that question legitimately at times in my life. Like, would Spider-Man walk away from this or what would he do? Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I don't think I've done that with any other character. Well, and, and he's one of the few characters that I hope I can respond to that kind of tragedy or, you know, I. I've had some bad times, but I've been pretty lucky that things have been pretty good. And I hope I can respond as well as Spider-Man has, because I think you run into a lot of people who they're the Batman or they're the Wolverine. Yeah, they punch yeah, something, yeah. go sulk off in a corner, yeah. you know, you, you whatever it may be. And he's like, let's not take this too seriously. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. like, yeah, well, yeah I mean, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to make a difference. But I remember yeah. reading Len Wein Batman as a kid, and it was a story that retold the origin of, uh, you know, Bruce Wayne and Batman. And I remember as a kid being like, like almost taking a solemn promise to myself in my room in Long Island that if my parents were ever murdered, 
I would go on crazy superhero. Oh, I too. absolutely made right? that promise. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Parents, parents didn't get murdered though. No, 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 no. Me neither. No, they really let me down. <laughs> it's their fault. It's the criminal's fault. But like, I think you're right. I think I would want to try to be the Spider-Man. And it's like you said, there's yeah. times where I'd be like, I, I don't know that I've, I've thought about what Spider-Man would do, but I know that like that's. That would be my moral compass. Yeah, as far as yeah. like I, I'm a big Daredevil guy, and sadly, I think I'd act like Daredevil, but I'd want to act like Spider Man. Right. You know? right. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I think Spider Man wouldn't get you as in much trouble if you were like, <laughs> "I'm a Wolverine." And be like, in today's news, Zeb Wells went stab people with knives between yeah. his fingers, screaming, "Bub!" Oh, you know, Wolverine. Like, yeah, he's a murderer. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah like, like Batman is just a psychopath in a costume with a cape. Yeah. Like, but Spider-Man is like, I'm going to help you. He not only defeats bad guys, but he does a lot of stuff. Like you, you often see him like in between stories, like, oh, I, I helped this kid with the video game, help him get a balloon. That was the big yeah, joke. Yeah, and like yeah. the, the 60 and 64 video game. But like he does good outside of always fighting. Yeah. He's a good guy. He's a good who's guy. Who's trying to enjoy life. Helps his neighborhood out. Yeah. You know, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Yeah. That's true. Are you a cape? Cape, yes. Cape, no. Or capes, good capes? ideas. Capes, bad. I'm good. I'm okay with capes. Okay? I got no problem with capes. I have a yeah. tough time. With I just capes. don't understand. They're cool. I've never thought about it, but I don't know if I love any cape characters. Yeah. Are there any cape characters I love? I mean, Batman's the closest. I I do like it. Batman's hard not to like. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you're not a DC guy, I mean, right? It's a great character. So cool. Yeah, it is. It's so cool, and his villains are cool, and he has the Dark best. Knight Returns is so good. Yeah. 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 Some of the best villains, man. Batman is the best villains. I wouldn't do a cape. No, no fucking way. Oh, in real life, would I do a cape? Yeah. No. I mean, but I have no coordination. Even if I, had to- <laughs> <laughs> I can't deal with the cape. Uh, even if I had to jump from like a higher building to a lower building and I knew that the cape would help as far as like foiling down, like I would figure out another way because it just seems so damn impractical. But yeah. Oh, so I remember just wrapping a piece of cloth around your neck. <laughs> like, yeah, that just seems right. like a terrible <laughs> yeah. idea. And I, I think we all know like so many different things that can go wrong with that. But there's I remember remember the Warner Brothers store in malls. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> there was something from the Batman the Animated Series that was like a like a character design sheet that you could buy a print of. And I remember it was the Batman character design. And it just was basically like, you know, the, the blueprint layout of the body in different poses. And I remember there was one that showed a cape that went down to like roughly his waist and right next to it, a cape that went all the way down to the floor. And I remember there was a note underneath that said something like, you know, long cape for brooding shots, short cape when he's running uh, in action. And I mean, like, I remember being like, it does change size. <laughs> and I was like, that's the fucking cape you need. Like a spawn type <laughs> yeah, cape where yeah. you could suck that shit in if you were fighting somebody. Then if you needed to glide down, then you glide that shit out, right? But then you get rid of it so no one chokes you. <laughs> or do you remember the pajamas that had the cape that Velcroed on the yeah. shoulder? Yeah, of course they, they do. They were always so small. It was like a little sailor bib half your back. <laughs> like, I, am, I am the dumbest looking Superman right now. This is embarrassing. <laughs> I could still see you in those, I bet. I bet. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you still have yours? No. All right. Uh, I'm getting Zeb, Batman vs. Predator, and I'm getting you... Of fucking uh, like super undies, whatever those things are called. <laughs> Thanks, dude. As long as it's got a little drawer in the back, I'll be just fine. <laughs> they did have those little pockets. Oh my god! Yeah, this has been fun, guys. So, 
to wrap up, what are you working on now? What's what's your next project, man? I don't know how much I'm allowed to say about Super Mansion, but there's still some stuff cooking there. And okay. what season are you getting ready to go into? Well, there's there's still a little more of season three right. to come out. And then I'm writing a graphic novel okay. that I haven't started yet. I want to do a creator own thing, which I've never done. Ooh. So I'm getting ready to get down uh, to get down and start doing that in New York. Here I can go to those New York libraries, be a real intellectual. Uh, <laughs> crank out a graphic novel. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you right now, I'm looking around and I'm thinking intellectual. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the bear wire. This guy is smart. The pegboard. <laughs> He's an artist. <laughs> Are you going to the uh, libraries because they're free and have yeah. hot water? <laughs> yeah, before we said yeah, that. That's said, where I'll take my showers. That was like, you guys don't need internet, do you? And we're like, no, yeah, we'll just go to the libraries. <laughs> Oh, this is embarrassing. <laughs> this is incredible. Yeah, no, and this worked. <laughs> yeah. We, we you drove a long hour. way. Yeah. We stayed for an hour It's a and Friday half. night. <laughs> is this a superhero novel, that you're, graphic novel that you're going to No, write? I want to do something completely, completely different. Yeah, completely do your own different. Thing. That's yeah, exciting. Yeah, yeah. That's very cool, man. Where can people keep up with you? Where, If people are interested in following the Zebwell's Odyssey. The Zebwell's story. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I tweet every once in a while. Every now and then. Yeah, yeah. That's about Somewhere it. on Twitter. All right, yeah. cool, cool, man. Well, awesome. Guys, you can keep up with us. Follow some of our adventures on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LaunchpadPod and our website, launchpadpod.com. Matt, we blast this yeah, thing off. Yeah, we have to blast it off. So, Zeb, we have this thing where we do a super awesome high five. We're going to oh, do a three way. It. And then when we get in the middle, we invert. And then blow a raspberry to rocket ship. Okay, yeah, great. Then I got a little three-way thing I want to do after. Okay, oh, <laughs> in the garage. Okay. Ah, that's what the hole in the wall is for. All right, so here we go. Ready? I'm gonna move this. Yeah. Up. <laughs> We've broken lights before. So we slap path. and then blast. Off. Slap, yeah. rotate, blast off. <laughs> All right, one, two, three. There we go. Yeah, I like that rocket <laughs> noise. Good. We're the Rocketeers, and we are out. Out. Good hanging out. What a good time, Zeb. Thank you so much for being on the show. A little follow-up. So we promised him we would send him the Batman versus Predator comic book. And we did. We keep to our promises here at the Launchpad Podcast. But while we were at WonderCon, we got Andy Kubert, the guy who drew the thing, to sign the comic book for Zeb. And then we sent it out to him. And <laughs> we think it's pretty cool we were able to get the artist to sign the book. Zeb, I hope you're having a great time in New York. Hope your garage is much nicer than your one in LA. We hope to see you soon, man. Thanks a lot. This is Aaron for the Launchpad Podcast. We're the Rocketeers, and we're out. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff.